Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Jessica M. and Nicole B., both who recently joined The Modern Manager community. You two are now in the mix to win a copy of Lee Carraher's book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees. Lee was last week's guest, and if you have not yet listened to her interview, you definitely need to check it out because it's about generations in the workplace, and we talk a lot about millennials. For her guest bonus, Lee offered five copies of her book. So if you join the Modern Manager community like Jessica and Nicole before August 12th, you will be in the running to win one of those five copies. Now, today's guest is Chris Zog. Chris has been leading people for over 40 years and according to his own reflection, has made lots of mistakes and had a few victories. He has trained people in leadership principles and communication all over the world and loves to share what he's learned from other leaders. He currently serves as the president of Open Systems, a software company based in Bloomington, Minnesota. Chris and I talk about his transformational process of adopting weekly check-ins with his team and how it increased their information flow and their trust, and they just started crushing their goals. He shares how he got started with this process, how to run this process with the step-by-step and the technology that they use, and how people responded when he wanted to start doing this on a regular and widespread basis, which, you might not be surprised, wasn't with big, wide-open arms. And of course, we get into some of the cool, unexpected impact that this had on the team and on his life when he experienced something that was less than ideal. I think you're really going to like this. So here's our conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chris. I think this is going to be a really fun conversation because we're talking about meetings, but a very particular kind of meeting. And as you know, I love meetings. So anytime I get to talk about them is just fun for me. (laughs) Well, and I love reading your stuff about meetings because this feels like you're looking for something that's meaningful and has purpose and has outcome, but also honors the people. And that's what I'd love to talk about today. All right. So let's just jump right in here. Because you have a practice that some people might find to be like the worst possible idea in the world, which is (laughs) to have a one-on-one check-in meeting with every one of your team members every week. Is my understanding that right? Yeah, you are. And, And to be perfectly honest with you, I think I had the same fear. You know, I've been involved with leadership and leading people for over 35 years, a long time. And for the longest time, I would have monthly meetings and we would kind of talk around things. But I found that people weren't getting it. And it came particularly clear to me a few years ago when I was a part of an organization that had some major change. I would get up and I would stand in front of the entire staff. We had about 100 staff at the time. And I would share the grand vision for where we were going and how we needed to make change and all this stuff. And they're nodding and there's a little tear in their eye. They're all excited about it. And then nothing was getting done. And so, you know, I would meet with my leaders and I'd say, man, it it feels like they're really with me when I'm talking about the change we need to make. But when it comes down to getting their role done, they're not actually doing it. And uh, one of my guys, my HR director said, well, Chris, let me ask you a question. When you come into the office every day, do you know what you're supposed to do? I said, yeah, generally. He said, and you have your priorities. I said, yep. He said, now, do you usually finish your priorities? 
I said, well, well, yeah. And he said, we don't. We don't have a clue. We hear these highfalutin things coming from you from up in front, but we don't know how to translate those things into our job. And so we don't go home feeling like we win the day. We don't know if we've won or lost. We don't know if we're working on the stuff you want us to work on. And it just broke my heart. Mm -hmm. That's got to be painful to hear from someone inside of your company and your team when you're like, I, I'm telling you what to do. It's right here in the yeah. vision. Yeah, totally. And, and again, I thought I was being clear, but there wasn't a system in place where we could really hear from our staff. Because first of all, part of the deal is that we as managers need to hear from our staff to know what's working and what's not working. We had no system for that. So I literally was flying blind. So while I, you know, again, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of communicating the vision, when it came right down to it, people didn't know how to execute the vision. So I became pretty excited about the idea of having some check-ins. Now, this was several years ago, and I started having check-ins, but I didn't really have a system for them. And they were a little bit more ad hoc. And so some time would go by and people would get a little bit off course. They would, you know, we'd start in the right direction, sort of like hitting a golf ball, right? And you hit a golf ball, the first 20 feet of the flight looks really good until you realize that you put bad spin on it. <laughs> and before you know it, down the fairway, it's 100 yards offline. Well, that happens with employees too. You know, if you're not keeping in touch with them right away, you don't know if you've got the right spin on the ball. And I didn't. So we made some incremental improvements and we got a little bit better. And then a couple of years ago, one of my really responsible, high producing employees came to me and said, can we meet? And I said, well, sure, of course we can meet. He said, no, no, I mean, can we meet regularly? Like, can we meet once a week on Monday morning at 9 a.m. and talk about my priorities for the week? He said, because Chris, I think I know what I'm supposed to do and I'm working my tail off to do it, but I don't know if I'm working on the things that you want me to do and I don't know that I'm working on the right things at the end of the week. And again, he had heard me say that my philosophy of leadership is that I want my employees to win every day. I want them to go home knowing that they've done what they were supposed to do. Well, he clearly wasn't feeling that way because the ad hoc meetings weren't doing it for him. So we started meeting on Monday morning. And the beauty of it was I asked him to actually write out what he thought his priorities should be. So it wasn't me taking on a lot of extra responsibility. I asked him to do it. I said, why don't you write out your priorities, write out you know, all the things you think you should do this week, and then let's talk through it and we'll evaluate those things and decide which are the right things and which are the wrong things. So we met for the first week. He brought in a list of like 25 things, maybe. <laughs> it was like, I said, okay, you really think you're going to accomplish all 25 things this week? He said, no. I said, well, of course not. And, you know, you're not going to feel like you've won at the end of the week. Particularly, he was one of these responsible guys that would like to check things off a list. And so I said, if you, if you try to do these 25 things, you're going to screw yourself into the ground. And, you know, you don't want to do that. So let's reduce this to three things. Let's say that these three things this week are going to get done and they'll get done in this order. And then if you have more time, then you can work on some of the other things. Well, we started it one week and within four weeks, this guy was the happiest guy ever. He just felt like, I feel like I'm winning all the time because I know exactly what I'm working on. And that's when I started to think, okay, I need to figure out a way to make this work in our organization. So we started really simply. We created a Google form and I sent it out to my staff and I said, hey, why don't you fill out what you think your priorities are? I set up meetings for only 15 minutes because I knew, and, and the first meeting or two took a little longer, but I knew that once the cadence got started, 
there wouldn't be as much to talk about because we'll already have the relationship there and we'll know what, what direction we're going. So they filled out their Google form. We would meet. We would talk through their priorities. We talked through their, their goals. We call them rocks here at our company. We talk through our rocks, our priorities. We talk about productivity. I would ask them about virtues and values that they feel like they're living out in our company. I would ask them questions about their impact on the team and how they feel like they could do better or how I as a manager could facilitate their growth in a specific area. For instance, if somebody said, you know, I really want to grow in the area of organization. Well, then I as a manager could say, okay, well, let's take some part of your week and make as your priority reading Mamie's book or, you know, something along those lines and did a fair amount of that. And very, very quickly, relationships in the company were built where there was trust there. It broke down kind of the us and them thing that happens between managers and employees. And they got to know me. They got to know what motivated me. But more importantly, I got to know them. I got to find out when they felt the most productive and tried to give them more opportunities like that, when they felt the most useful, when they felt like they were really living in their strengths and not operating out of weakness. And also I learned when they had obstacles. I feel like as a manager, one of my main jobs is to remove the obstacles for my employees so they can get the work done because they're the ones getting the work done. Those regular meetings just exposed all of it. And in a very short period of time, I felt like for the first time ever, I actually knew my company. I knew where there were holes in our goals. I knew where we needed to shore up our learning. And I knew where each employee was growing in areas where they needed to grow. And I can't tell you how great it was. And to be honest, Mamie, every performance review I've done since then, and we do them quarterly here, the guys have said, please don't ever stop doing these check-ins. Wow. I mean, that sounds like an incredible impact for, in theory, what is not actually that much time or effort. Right. Um, but I'm, try- I'm, I'm always having like a little bit of a hard time believing that you could do all of that in a 15-minute weekly check-in. So can you like just talk a bit more about the process of preparation, the structure, if there is one, for how you use that 15 minutes efficiently, and then what happens afterwards? Are there notes that are taken? Is there like, is this part of a follow-through piece? Do you compile the notes and then use them for your performance reviews? Kind of, can you go into more of the details about that? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, obviously, when we first got into this, we were really new to it. And I was keeping things in email. I was keeping things in spreadsheets. I, I had a lot of spreadsheets, which is funny because by training, I'm a musician. So you know, the idea of using a spreadsheet for anything is completely against my nature. But then we, you know, we're, we're a software company. And so we thought, well, why don't we build something ourselves that will do this? And this is the current project that we're working on. And so we, we structured it in a way that our check-ins are, are very, I mean, obviously we have a lot of leeway in what we actually do during the check-ins, but we asked similar questions each week. We asked people what they think their priorities were. The first thing we do is we re- review last week's priorities, okay, how they did, and they'll respond to that. So a lot of the work is done by the employee here. You know, this is great because many hands make light work. They have one person to write about, I would have had nine direct reports. So they'll write down how they feel like they did on last week's priorities, and then they'll put in what they believe are this week's priorities. And we'll talk about those things. Then we'll ask some questions about their productivity. You know, did anything keep you from being productive this week? When did you feel like you were on a really productive streak? And I use that question to find them more opportunities to do that. As an example, we have a guy on our team 
that is very easily distractible. He actually works best when he's offsite. And, you know, a lot of people say they work best when they're offsite, but this guy's just pumping out deliverables all the time when he's offsite. So I actually give him more time to work offsite based on what I learned during these check-ins. And then we ask people what they're proud of. Like, what did you accomplish last week that you're really excited about? Uh, let them brag a little bit on themselves. And then we ask them about their goals or their rocks or their OKRs. And, and as I mentioned before, we'll, we'll talk through each of these. Now, not all of them require a complete exhaustive conversation each time. Rocks are typically quarterly. And so we may look at them each week, but we may not discuss them depending on how much work they've done on them that week. And then we really focus in as well on the personal side, their virtues, the values we want, to, want them to have and uh, where they would like to grow. In our software, we actually have something that also allows you in the, in the process to add a comment. So when you add a comment, you can make it public or private so my employees can see it or not. And I can also save it as a note that goes into a part of the application that actually I can access when I'm doing reviews. So I just finished performance reviews last week, and it is approximately 1,000 times easier than it used to be because I have actually captured real-time data in these check-ins that I can access when I'm doing the performance review. So it, you don't get that recency effect like, oh, you know, Mamie's really great because she brought me coffee last week or, you know, or the other recency effect like John really let me down last week and that becomes an issue during review time. And in fact, I was stopped dead in my tracks doing a review recently because I was going to ding one of my employees for what had been a problem the last three weeks of the quarter when early in the quarter, I had written a note praising him for exactly the same thing. So even though there was some inconsistency in the quarter, I could look back and say in his review, hey, you, you killed it the first two months of the quarter, but the last three weeks or so were rough. Let's try to regain the momentum we had those first two months. So it's been super helpful for us to have all of that information in one place where I can access it not only in the check-ins, but also during the performance review process. That's amazing. I, I hear a lot of people complain about their performance review process. So this sounds like it does make it a lot easier. But I want to go back to the experience of this. As you said, you know, a lot of it gets put out onto the ploy because there's, you know, you would have to do nine, but they each only have to do one. And so it, it makes it a lot easier. Right. So when you first introduced this idea to the, to the team, were people immediately excited, like beyond the one person who was asking for it? Were people like, yes, I get more time with you. This is going to be helpful. Or are they like, I'm already so busy and now I have to also fill out this paper and form and now also have another meeting and oh gosh, please don't make me do that. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. I mean, it, it was kind of across the board. There were some people that kind of rolled their eyes. And honestly, some of the eye rolling was because of our past history because they felt like, okay, here's another system that we're going to introduce that is going to attempt to try to make manager-employee relationships better but it never really does. And we kind of hear the same stuff all the time. We hear the vague, meaningless feedback. And I'm going to write all this stuff and take all this time and it's not going to mean anything. And, you know, I get it, right? I mean, I was, I've been an employee too. And there are times when I've been asked to write things down where I know my manager's not looking at it, right? I know it. And the reason I know it is because the very next conversation I have with him, he's asking me about it. I'm like, seriously, man, I, I, I wrote this down last week. So there's a lot of cynicism in the workplace. I don't think just in our workplace, but in several of the places that I've worked, there's a cynicism that I'm being asked to do things kind of as a checklist in the manager's mind. In other words, if I ask my employees to do these things, I'm a good manager. But 
you know, you and I both know that's not what makes a good manager, right? What makes a good manager is getting the information and actually using it. As I often tell people, I say, look, as a manager, one of the best things you can do is ask questions, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't listen to the answers. This has got to be a two-way street. So yeah, there were people that were like, oh man, this is going to take work. It's going to be brutal. The beauty of it for me, Mamie, is that literally to a person, the people that at least report to me have said, this is the most valuable thing that has ever happened in my work life. I actually feel like my boss knows me. I, I've often felt like there are three things that, that every person wants in relationships and in the workplace. They want to know, they want to be known, and they want to know other people. They want to be served and they want to serve other people, and they want to be loved, and they want to love other people, right? That's what people want. Know and be known, serve and be served, love and be loved. And in the workplace, the love thing might be a little more complicated because people respond differently to, to that kind of thing. But for sure, the know and be known and the serve and be served is a really important thing. And employees want to know that you're not an overlord, but you're an undershepherd. You're coming underneath them to support them to give them what they need to win for the company. And it took a little convincing, like we're going to spend the time to do this. And it took them a little convincing that I was going to listen to them and respond to it. But it's been really cool to see their response as, you know, the proof's in the pudding. And they're feeling like, okay, I'm known, I'm being served, and I, I feel like I've got a better relationship with my manager than I've ever had. And that kind of transparency has built a level of trust that now if I tried to take these away, there would be chaos here. <laughs> it would not be a good thing. This sounds so beautiful the way that you framed that out. And you know, it, it made me think about the relationships that people have with each other and not just with you as their manager. Mm. And I'm curious if you've found ways to help bridge people across the team. Or like, do you have a format of a, a weekly team check-in where people have a chance to kind of be known and serve one another in that way? You know, kind of in the, in the vein of some things that I've heard you say on your own podcast, which I, I think are brilliant, by the way, it's finding the right place for that. Like we have two primary teams here in our company. And for both those teams, there was a time period where we had daily check-ins, you know, kind of that we're going to get together, we're going to stand around and talk about what we're going to do and what we plan to accomplish. We found that that was too much. That it was just, you know, okay, we just have this meeting and we end up talking about other stuff. And, and the people that are really ready to hit the ground running in the morning felt like their time was being robbed from them. And other people who are super relational felt like, oh, this is great. You know, we're talking about, you know, last night's football game or whatever. And so we decided to, to have some ground rules that we set up for our meetings and we have them less often. So I've got for the, the team that's building this particular piece of software, we have two meetings a week. And in those two meetings, we do a little bit of personal catch up like you, you normally do. You don't want to make it completely hardcore, but we'll, we'll spend maybe five minutes doing that. And then we'll dig into what each person is doing and how it relates. The way that this has ended up working, and this is really cool, is that while people are filling out their own self-evaluation for their review, and this, is, this didn't come from any prodding from me, they're actually writing about other people on the team and what they thought they did well. So it's really cool to see people say, you know, to see hear Matt say, you know, Michael really helped me with this part of the project. And yeah, I accomplished this and it's a part of my productivity for the quarter, but I never would have gotten it done without Michael. And 
that's kind of a beautiful dance when you see that happen, right? When you hear other people lifting up their teammates in their own personal review. So that's been some of that output from our time together. And it's been, uh, as, as you would say, it's kind of a beautiful dance. Wow. Yeah. I, I feel like it's so rare that you really get to see that kind of camaraderie on a team where people are not only proud of their own work, but they're really acknowledging the the work of other people in getting to that point. So what mm-hmm. are some of the other things that you've done as a manager to kind of support those relationships being built and to, to create that connective tissue since, you know, some of that comes across in meetings, but some of it happens outside of the physical or virtual meeting space? You know, it's a really good question. It's a good question that I might have a hard time to answer because there's nothing really systematic in it for me. I think I think part of it is, you know, we have an open office concept here. A lot of people hate that. I totally get it. There's a lot of problem with that. But our open office space actually helps us a little bit, again, because we have some ground rules. So in our case, we basically said, okay, from eight in the morning till 11 o'clock in the morning, you don't need to expect that other people will be at your beck and call every time a Slack message hits or something or an email. If it's an emergency, you can certainly interrupt them, but we want that to be uninterrupted time. The same is true from two in the afternoon until five in the afternoon. But between 11 and two, that's the place where you can kind of be loud and have a little bit more collaborative space in the open part of the office. That's actually been really helpful because as in any workplace, you know, you've got those introverts who want to go hide in a corner and uh, put in their, you know, their noise canceling headphones and just get to work. And you've got other people who are more collaborative in their, in their style and they're kind of loud folks. Well, by setting up some ground rules and saying, okay, this is kind of how we're going to work. And we did it in collaboration with each other. So I, I didn't just come out with the edict. But doing it that way, I think really served both. And it allowed for both the relationship building on the team, but also the fact that people that need a different kind of work environment to be productive, know what times they, where they can have that freedom. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm actually working with a client right now who's really struggling with this issue of finding time for deep work mm. because they have so many meetings that people feel like their time is either fractured where you have half an hour here and 20 minutes there and you mm-hmm. can't actually sit down and, and do anything meaningful. Or when they do have kind of a chunk of time to sit down, you know, it's kind of like distractions are pinging and people are walking by and tapping you on the shoulder. And I love this idea of as a team coming together to say, how do we accommodate all the different kinds of work mm-hmm. and preferences that we have on a team and, and establishing some ground rules for that? So that's super awesome. Yeah, it's been great for us. And we literally have said, and I, I have no meetings that I schedule on any regular basis that aren't between 11 and 2. So you just hit the nail on the head. We said, this isn't for meetings. This is for deep work. And in the software business, if you've ever worked with developers, you know, once they kind of get into a headspace, if you interrupt them, it can take 45 minutes for them to get back where they were. Uh, Same is true with designers and artists. I mean, you're an artist, you know that. If you're in the middle of something and you're really focused in and somebody taps you on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, what was my password? (laughs) You know, whatever. You know, immediately you're out of that space of creativity. You're giving them something that's very left brain and you've lost it. And we just don't want to lose that, that time for people. All right. So now I'm trying to bring this back together to make sense of how you handle all of these check-ins that I'm assuming happen on Mondays, although maybe not, and the space during the day on Monday to not be interrupting people. So 
do you have all your check-in meetings on Mondays? No, I don't. I've got four on, I have nine check-in meetings. I have four on Monday, four on Tuesday, and one on Wednesday. And I set them up that way, depending on the person's job responsibility and when their flow of work is working. Now, those particular meetings, I violate my own rule for me and that I do have those meetings earlier in the morning because there are a couple of my guys really want to have meetings early first thing Monday morning, including the guy that started all this, <laughs> my, my staff guy who helped me get rolling on this. They like to have them first thing Monday morning. and I'm okay with interrupting my own workflow because as a manager, right, that, that is my workflow is managing my people. So I've got four of them on Monday morning, four of them on Tuesday morning, and one on Wednesday morning. And while at first it felt like a, an anvil was dropped on my head on Monday morning, like a, like a cartoon, now I really look forward to them because it's relationship time with me and my folks. And we get an opportunity to talk about work and even talk about life. We're at the point now with trust where I've got people that are working through some really difficult issues. and. We use some of our check-in time to even talk about those kinds of things. So uh, it's a great way to start the week for me. Do you find that the communications you have with your colleagues between your check-ins has changed at all because you've done this? Yeah, there's a whole lot more that can be assumed because we've already had the conversation. They don't have to give me background. Uh, if they need a decision made by me, uh, as an example, you know, we're working on some marketing materials that, we're, that we have an outside consultant that we're working with. And because I've had these check-in conversations and we've talked about strategy and boundaries, you know, the, the discussions about budget, timeline, all of those kinds of things, they go a lot more quickly because there's no background that needs to be shared. You know, maybe one of the problems I had when I was doing monthly check-ins is that most of the time was spent recapping what had happened as opposed to talking about what should be happening. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the main benefits of having regular check-ins. You know what's going on because it takes three minutes to recap last week. And they've done the work in writing. So all I have to do is look at their check-in. And that's been so helpful to me. Another thing that's helpful is that having this stuff in writing doesn't require me to always be in the office. Unfortunately, last fall, I contracted hepatitis A. I was visiting my son in Senegal and unwisely did not get the vaccine and came back with it. I was out of commission for at least five weeks for the most part. They always say about hepatitis A, you know, you're not going to die from it, but you're going to wish you were dead. And that's exactly what happened to me. At the same time, I wrote my guys as I was kind of going under because it took a a little ways for me to get to the place where I was completely incapacitated. I wrote the the folks on my team. I said, look, please keep your check-ins up to date for me so that I can answer any questions in the 20 minutes a day that I'm coherent and let me help you continue to, to steer the ship together. And they were fantastic. They continued to do their check-ins. I could write back to them, hey, love what you're doing. This is great. Let's change this priority to get this particular thing done. And literally, it, it saved five weeks of productivity for our team to have this regular check-in that was documented in one place, the way we do with our application. And I'm so thrilled. It was sort of an ancillary benefit. It wasn't the reason we built the application. But when I got sick, knowing that I had this as a backstop was just fantastic. Wow. Well, I am glad to hear that you sound to be back in full recovery. And what an amazing thing to be able to stay connected, even in the face of such struggle. So incredible. 
We are coming to the end of our time. So as you know, this show is called The Modern Manager. Can you say a few words about an incredible manager that you've had the benefit of working with and for and what made him or her so great? Yeah, years ago, I had a boss that he saw something in me that I'm not sure I even saw in myself. And he started cultivating me as one of his new leaders really early on. And he let me know that he was doing this. And he would have weekly conversations with me where he would express occasionally his constructive dissatisfaction with some things that he saw in my life. At the same time, he was so over-the-top encouraging that he had actually made enough deposits into me that he could make a few withdrawals. And over a period of seven years, he developed me from the place where I was in no way capable of leading the team to where he actually turned over the entire team to me. And, you know, this was a, a hundred or so staff and it was fantastic, but he was so diligent to build into me. I had no idea why he was doing it, but I was super grateful for it. And he listened to me and he catered his comments to me for me. It wasn't one size fits all. He literally looked at my gifts and abilities and talents and said, this is how I can help Chris become the kind of leader that I think he can be. And I just loved the fact that he was so intentional. And he also gave me sometimes hard feedback, hard for me to hear it. But I'll tell you, those tapes are still rolling in my head all the time now, and they've helped me be a better manager today. Oh, lovely. All right. Where can people learn more about you, Chris, and the work that you do and anything else that that you want people to know? Yeah, they can find us all over the social media landscape at Uptick App. So they can find us on Twitter. They can find us on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And then if they want to come to upticapp.com slash blog, they'll be able to see some resources there that we're putting together really to try to speak into the management culture. I mean, one of the things I love about your stuff, Mamie, is that just you don't have to have a checkbook to come to your website and get information on how to be a better manager. I was reading your stuff and I thought, this is helping me be a better manager. We want to do the same thing. So if you come to upticapp.com slash blog, you'll see some of our blog posts really trying to contribute to the, the overall management space. And the reason we're doing that is because we believe that every single person deserves, deserves to have a work life that's great. And the best way to do that, I think, is by communication and having great communication between managers and employees. Wow, Chris, I could not have said it better myself. So thank you for everything you've shared today. And I look forward to continuing our conversation. I love it. Total privilege. Thanks so much, Mamie. What an incredible story. If you want to have deeper, more trusting relationships with your team that increase productivity, Chris has generously provided three months of free access to their one-on-one -on -one software, Uptick, to members of the Modern Manager community. And this is doubly special because you get to skip the wait list and start using Uptick right now. To get this bonus, become a member at mamieks.com slash join. That's M-A-M-I-E-K as in Canfer, S as in Stuart, dot com slash join. All the links are in the show notes. And of course, they are in your inbox if you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do at mamieks.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively. 
build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.